all of you tunes out there, and welcome back to a new episode of the History of Animation. Today, I want to go over the early history of the Animation Guild. For those of you that don't know, that's the name of the Animation Labor Union. This union is really important to the industry. Artists have a long history of being underpaid and overworked. And of course, this is especially true for animators. I'm going to be focusing on the early history of the guild. I'm sure you've noticed that I don't like doing long episodes, and I don't really plan on changing that now. Anyways, the earliest attempts to start a union happened in 1931 at iWorks, and then again in 1935 at Van Buren. These were unsuccessful. There's not much mentioned about the iWorks one. I don't think anything really happened with that. But the Van Buren one, there was a inker and scene planner named Sadie Bobbin who was fired for her union activities. You know, since there weren't any laws to prevent that at the time. So she picketed the studio. She became the first person to picket an animation studio. Sadly, none of her co-workers joined, but her husband did stand alongside her. The next major event happened in 1937. Fletcher Studios refused to recognize the union and fired 15 artists over it. This started what was known as the first cartoonist strike. Honestly, there was major buildup for the strike. For those of you that might not know, the studio is responsible for many classics like Betty Boop and Popeye, yet their staff was finding their work to be overwhelming, underpaid, and unfulfilling. Apparently, in 1930, animators had incomes as high as $100 per week, but then by 1935, it had gone down to just $27 per week. On top of that, many of the employees felt like they were part of an assembly line rather than creatives, and everything was just exacerbated by the death of one of their co-workers, Dan Glass. He was an in-betweener for the studio who died of tuberculosis. I'm honestly not sure if this is true, but his co-workers were convinced that he had died because of the working conditions at the studio. Again, I can't find anything that said that that was actually the cause of death, but the employees definitely thought so. So for five months, they led boycotts and demonstrations against the studio until they had an agreement. The strikers were mostly in-betweeners who wanted a 35-hour workweek, increased wages, pay time off, and for their union to be recognized. While they didn't get everything they wanted, it was successful and was the first union contract in animation. Fletcher Studios was not happy, and this moved their operations to Florida. This is because, well, Florida held a strong anti-union bias, and Fletcher Studios thought that they could get away with not having a union down there. But they had to pay their artists extremely large salaries to get them to move there from New York, and it kind of ended up just being a huge disaster for the studios. And 
pretty soon after that, Paramount took over and they moved the studio back to New York. Then the next major event was kind of a small one, but I have to include it, especially because of the name. The event was called the Looney Tune Lockout in 1941. The Warner Brother producer at the time decided that he didn't want guild member animators. He only wanted to hire the non-union ones. So he simply decided to lock the door and not let any of the animators into the studio. So the animators just sat outside. That's why it's called the Looney Tune Lockout, is because they literally just were locked out, so they just sat there and waited. He was eventually forced to sign a new contract with the animators. A famous animator from the studio that participated in the lockout, named Chuck Jones, called it our own little six-day war. The last event I want to talk about is arguably the biggest, and this was the Disney strike of 1941. There were some frustrations over the delays from Snow White profit sharing that had been promised, and it ended up not happening. Instead of everyone getting a bonus, Disney gave a few select employees increased wages. And this was solely based on who Disney felt had done exceptional work. Those that were left out only had the promise that if they did better, they would get an increase next time. As you can imagine, this did not go over well. The Disney Company Union president, Art Babbitt, decided to resign from the company union so that he could officially join the Animation Guild. Well, didn't take this very well. He felt betrayed by his highest paid animator and creator of the character Goofy. So shortly after, Disney fired him, along with other pro-union artists. So on that day, May 29, 1941, the strike began. This strike lasted five long weeks and took place during the production of the film Dumbo. Apparently, some of the artists who were on strike were drawn as clowns in the movie. I really want to know which ones. I think that would be fun to look for. But another fun fact is that major artists from other studios also helped with the strike. For example, I just mentioned Chuck Jones in the previous one, who worked for Warner Brothers. He actually volunteered his car for a motorcade around the Walt Disney Studios. And things got kind of intense during the strike. At one point when Walt Disney was trying to drive to his studio, he was booed by the crowd, and Babbitt, who he had considered a friend, yelled at him. He told Walt he should be ashamed of himself for treating his employees like this. A fight almost broke out between them that was intercepted by the police. The union demands were relatively simple. They wanted 10% wage increases across the board, 25% wage increase for the lower ranked artist, and reinstatement of all the animators who had been fired for union activities. Apparently, this did include Babbitt, which seems a little awkward to me. Many Disney employees who weren't artists even refused to cross the picket line. 
I mean, like, culinary workers were too scared to go into work. I guess it would be pretty intimidating to cross a picket line of 500 people. Apparently, the employees all took shifts, so each striker would picket for two to three hours at a time so that they could ensure that they would have all 24 hours accounted for. An agreement was eventually reached, but Walt Disney never really understood why the strike happened. He would later say that it was because of communism, but it's more likely because his employees had become frustrated at getting such a low pay from a studio that was very successful. It doesn't seem like he ever really recovered from the strike, personally. He never forgave the animators that chose the union side over him, because there were a great deal of artists that refused to join the strike. They felt indebted to Walt, someone who saw their art and believed in them. They didn't want to betray him like this. And so, for that reason, some called it the Civil War of Animation. It broke friendships, created new ones, and some people even changed their careers or made their own studios somewhere else because of the strike. For now, I'm gonna leave it here, but I won't be surprised if I have to bring up the Disney strike again in future episodes. It was a pretty big event. As usual, I'll leave links in the description to my resources, so please check that out. Uh, don't forget to do like, subscribe, or follow, whatever it is you do, and be sure to let me know what else you think I should do an episode on.